Hey, welcome to the C3 Victory Podcast. We're praying this message encourages you, grows your faith, and builds your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. And um, we are not in a series at the moment. We're not in a series. We're in a black hole moment, uh, whether we're not in a series. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I feel super privileged because Pastor Nate um, and Rach, I just feel honored that they let me preach, you know, um, and especially a standalone series where it's like, just preach whatever God's got on your heart, and um, which is a little bit daunting sometimes, because sometimes it's like, oh, just, you know, let us know what the series is. But um, this morning, uh, my, the title of my message this morning, if you've got your notebook or your notepad, is, this is it. The title of my message is, The Discovery of Prayer. The Discovery of Prayer. I don't, does anyone have, like, pen and paper still? Like, I'm impressed if you do. Oh, nice. Nice work. The discovery of prayer. And, and God's just put prayer on my heart lately. I mean, prayer should always be on my heart. We should always be praying. But um, the discovery of prayer. And I've been reading. I've got an incredible book that I've been reading that I highly, highly recommend. I think it's one of the best books that I've read in recent time on prayer. And it's by a guy called Tyler Stanton. Stanton? 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 Confusing me, Pastor Rach. <laughs> Tyler Stanton is called Pray Like, uh, Live Like Monks, Pray Like Fools, or the other way around, I forget exactly. Pray Like Monks, Live Like Fools. And I tell you what, I, I recommend the audio version because he narrates it and um, it's just, I don't know, it's nice when the person who wrote it narrates stuff. I highly recommend it. It's one of the, um, it's comprehensive, it's robust, it's enjoyable. It is, if you want to just read or listen to something on prayer, I highly recommend that book. Download that, get it in your hands. But this morning, I just want to, the, the, the aim of my message this morning is just to break down some barriers on prayer and just to stir a hunger in you for prayer. To, to stir a hunger in you for prayer again, maybe. Maybe it's been a little while. Just to st- stir that hunger for prayer again. And prayer is an incredibly humongous topic, so I am not going to cover everything in 30 minutes this morning. So if you think I've missed something, I totally have on purpose, because I cannot cover all of prayer. But this morning, the title of my message is The Discovery of Prayer. And to start off with, like, prayer, if we were to boil it down, like I said, I can't cover everything, if we were to boil down what prayer is, and give it one phrase, which is really difficult to do, like, but prayer, I would say is relational communication with God. It's communing with God. It's fellowship with God. Relational communication with God. And that word communication, when it comes to prayer, communication, like who knows communication is complex. Like I remember when we first started our uh, marriage prep, I remember, you know, you go through all the different things and everyone's telling you, like, most of marriage is communication. It's the most important thing. And I'm like, as a young person about to get married, I'm like, prayer's the most, I'm not prayer, communication's the most important thing about marriage? What do you mean? Of course I'm going to talk to my wife. Like, I'm going to come home and talk to Jess. But 13 years later, I have understood the gravity of that word, communication. In all of its complexity, in all of its nuance, its up and downs, its, un- we, well, I mean, we speak English, but communication is, it's a, there is some depth behind that word communication when it comes to marriage. And I reckon it's going to take a lifetime 
to figure this stuff out. Like I, I reckon you see some, some old people, mature people, sorry, old, older people that have been married longer than I've been alive and you see them and they just sit in the room together. They sit in silence. And one of two things has happened. They've either developed an incredibly powerful form of communication where they don't even need to use words anymore. They're like whales. And they're sending sonar to each other, like, or like a flinch of the eye and, you know, uh, and Bill knows that means a coffee and a biscuit. That means a coffee and a biscuit, or that means leave the room. <laughs> or, so they've, either, they've got this incredibly powerful sense of communication, or they've just given up. <laughs> they're like, this is too hard, it's too difficult, we've been trying to communicate for 50 years, we're just not going to, it's better off <laughs> not to communicate. But my, this example is, it's like communication's hard, communication is complex, and when we go to talk about prayer, communication with God, the creator of the universe the invisible God that we love, that we worship, that we serve, if normal communication with humans is complex, communication with God can sometimes very much well be complex and nuanced and dynamic and not simple. I remember when, before Jess and I started dating, before we were dating, right, this is, I don't even think the iPhone was around, and I knew Jess liked me. I saw the way she looked at me when I was stacking chairs at youth. Yeah, stacking chairs. Like, you know, it was like you could pick up three chairs, but it's like I'm going for five. She's looking at me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and I remember I, I was like, yeah, she's into me. I can tell. I can tell she laughs at all my dumb jokes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there was this one thing where, we, you know, we'd text each other. But Jess would sign off on her text messages. I don't know why we used to sign off on text. I don't know if it was a thing. We didn't have emojis. Maybe that's why. And she would sign off on her text message. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, my friend. I'm like, like it threw me. You know, when you're like pre-dating and you're like overanalyzing everything and you spend two hours to write back because you hope you've got the tone right and you mm, sent, like, now I've got ChatGPT, but like, <laughs> this is probably not going to work. She sign off, thanks my friend. And I'm like, oh my goodness, she's playing me. She's like, nice to me. And then she's hardcore friend zoning me in the text messages, and it took a while to figure that out. I took, you know, I used to sign off my text messages, and I, I, I later found out she hated the way I signed off on my text messages. I used to sign off, peace out. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, I thought it was cool. I thought I was just being cool. Like, hey, peace out. <laughs> like, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, that's, that's not cool. Don't do that. <laughs> no wonder I'm friend-zoned. Gee. The communication, right? Communication is tough. Just like the pre-dating text messages with God, 
we can find ourselves like stuck in prayer, stuck in like kind of paralyzing. How, how do I respond to God? How do I engage with God? I'm annoyed at God. How do I engage with God when I'm annoyed at God? I'm angry with God. I'm disappointed with God. Or I'm angry about this, that, or the other. Or I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling spiritual. I'm not feeling like heaps Christian. How do I engage with God? And we find ourselves paralyzed. We find ourselves stuck. But I just want to help break that barrier down this morning. It'd be remiss of me not to mention this scripture this morning. Matthew 6, 5 to 13 in the NIV is, is where the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. And this is how Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. I'm not going to exegete this scripture this morning, but I just it's a good foundational springing off point. It says, and when you pray, and this is Jesus speaking, it says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Incredible, the premier message from Jesus himself on how to pray. And on face value, we can think, wow, that sounds like a really kind of old school religious way to pray. But in the ancient Near East, when the Jewish The Jewish guys in the synagogues were praying to God in a completely different way. This was actually a radical way to pray. This was phenomenally radical. For the Jewish person to hear someone pray to God by saying, starting saying, our Father in heaven. That's too close to home. That is too familiar. It is way too familiar to talk to God with that kind of language. Today, that kind of sounds like, I feel like in our context, Hey, God. Hey. Because God is a relational God. God is relational. And we have been created to be relational in the place of prayer with Him. We have been formed and created by God to be with Him. Psalms 42, 1-2 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Whether you realize it or not, every single person on the face of the planet hungers for God because they've been created to be in personal relationship with Him, their Creator. Tyler Staten says this, and I think it's incredible. It's a great quote. It says, The Holy Spirit is a person to know, not a force to capture. He's a person to know. He's not a force to capture. And I think, I wonder sometimes if we're like in that moment pre-dating where we're trying to decipher the texts. You know, we're trying to decipher how to communicate in this moment. We come to God with this kind of confusion. 
where we're trying to decipher the code on how to connect with God. And so, okay, oh, maybe I should say this and say it like this, and we do that and do the other, and we maybe, maybe we've got to say these particular words, and we've got to crack the code in order to pray with God. But it's not like that. He's not, a, he's not an impersonal force. He's a personal Holy Spirit. And you're designed to hear Him, you're designed to speak to Him, and you're designed to connect with Him. You know, Jess and I, we've been communicating for more than 13 years now. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor H. <laughs> but we've still got things we're working on. We've, got, we've still got things that we're figuring out when it comes to communication. One of those is I like to run. I like to go running. I like to exercise on the weekends. And I think a lot of running or maybe fitness-oriented males, wives would understand this maybe. When it comes to expectation of like what I want to do on the weekend, I'm gearing up for the weekend and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I want to get out for a long run. I want to get out for a long run, maybe in Glenrock Lagoon. I want to get out in Glenrock. I want to get on the trails. And I forget to communicate my expectation to Jess. And I realize this on Saturday when it's too late, it's too soon to spring this upon her. But I do anyway sometimes, and uh, it doesn't quite work out, and it's not the right way to go about things. But this, this constantly happens when I want to go running. And I love running through Glenrock Lagoon. Has anyone been trail walking, hiking, running through Glenrock Lagoon? If you haven't been to Glenrock, you've got to get to Glenrock. It is incredibly beautiful. I didn't know trails existed in Glenrock for like years. We used to go to youth camps at the scout camp down at Glenrock. Woo, yeah. I mean, I'm sure heaps of people did. We had some incredibly powerful times with God in that place. But the rest of the valley, the rest of Glenrock State Recreation Area was unknown to me. It's a beautiful place that folds down from the Pacific Highway into a valley, onto a lagoon, and then out onto the ocean. But then up on the, the edges is like so many trails and places to explore and places to go. And I'll never forget my first trail run. I think it was my first trail run, run through Glenrock. And it was actually Andy Smorkham. Where's Andy? Where's Andy? Up the back. Andy Smorkham. I think Andy's actually solely responsible for getting us all into running. I swear, Andy got us all running and he'd run way too fast for us and I'd die. But he invited us all to Glenrock to go running. And uh, it was pouring rain. I'll tell you, like, the, the trees were bending over. Echidnas were flying out of their holes. Like, streams of water, like, were just gushing. You just, it was like Bear grills, like, survivor. Like, it was incredible. And we just, and he's like, let's go. And we're just, I'm just, we're just running into the unknown. And we're running, and there's water, we're sweating. And after, like, 45 minutes, I'm dead. But it was the best 45 minutes of my life. And ever since then, I was like, I'm going to be a trail runner. Because before that, I was a flatlander. So I decided I'm going to be on the trails. And I began to discover this place called Glenrock. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what trails led where. I didn't know where all the lookouts were. I didn't know where the good parts, the bad parts were. I didn't know where the trip hazards were. But over time, I discovered Glenrock. And I knew where the, and I uncovered these lookouts, these vistas. I knew where the trip hazards were. I knew where the ecosystem changed in Glenrock. Like you go around the other corner, it traps the humidity. And one thing is, I discovered Glenrock. Over time, I discovered it. And when it comes to prayer, 
prayer is discovered. And prayer is discovered over time. Prayer takes time to discover. It's not, we don't just figure it out in one go. Jesus gave his disciples a template. But in that template, we see our Father in heaven. Hey, God, your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. Intercessory prayer, like it's a kind of pr- different kind of prayer. It's like discover this kind of prayer. Discover this kind of prayer. Give us today your daily bread. Sometimes it's, God, I just need you today. Fill me up. Oh, you sustain me, God. Forgive us our debts. Prayer of forgiveness. God, I've done stuff. Forgive me, Lord. Prayer of contrition. As we're forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation. Lord, help me. You know, this is different kinds of prayer that is discovered over time. There is not, and there's a great, there's this great quote I think sums it up. Richard Foster, who wrote an incredible book on the, on the, um, on spiritual disciplines. He says, by praying, we learn to pray. By praying, we learn to pray. And when I think of Glenrock, there's no way to discover Glenrock unless you just head out on the trails. There's no amount of planning. You could, maybe you could look at some maps and trails, but you're not going to discover Glenrock. You're not going to understand the beauty of Glenrock. You're not going to see what, like the beautiful lookouts that are in Glenrock unless you actually get into Glenrock and discover Glenrock. So by praying, we learn to pray. Another quote, which I don't have the, the, I don't know who said it, but it says, if you are praying, you are already doing it right. If you are praying, you're already doing it right. You're off. You're on the trail. You're discovering prayer. You're going to discover the heart of God in prayer. You're going to discover how to connect with God in all kinds of different ways when you just start to pray. Just start somewhere. The joy of discovering prayer is in the doing of prayer. Another quote, I think, is by Dom John Chapman. I think it's up one. Dom John Chapman. Dom John Chapman. Say that fast. Dom John Chapman is pray as you can and don't try to pray as you can't. If you can't pray for an hour, don't try and pray for an hour. If you can't pray at five o'clock in the morning, I remember when I started trying to do this, five o'clock in the morning, I'd wake up, I'd go downstairs, I'd get in my chair, first mistake, right? I'd make myself a coffee first, I'd sit in my chair, hey Lord, I'd open my Bible, and I'm just like, I couldn't stay awake. And I, was, I remember sitting in my chair and I'd just be like, Lord, you know my heart, and I'd just, I'd just fall back to sleep, I'm like, Lord, you know my heart, like I want to pray, but I just can't, my flesh is weak. Caffeine will do it for you. Pray as you can, don't pray as you can't. Every stage of life, every context and season of your life, prayer, as you discover it, is going to look different. Maybe when you didn't have kids, you had solid 45 minutes every morning to pray and do devotions. When you have kids, goodbye, 45 minutes early in the morning. Goodbye. There's new ways to discover prayer, though. There's new ways to enter into communing with God. And different contexts and seasons of our life look different. James 5, 13, 16 kind of exemplifies this a little bit. 
It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you're saved, you're a righteous person. The blood of Jesus Christ has made you righteous. Therefore, your prayer, your seemingly simple, ordinary prayer, is powerful and effective. But that scripture describes that there are so many different types of prayer to discover in our life. There's the prayer of worship, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of faith. There's corporate prayer. There's intercession. There's prayers of petition. There's prayers of silence and solitude. And depending on the denomination style or expression that you grew up in, you probably, you might have experienced a mono style or type of prayer. I grew up in youth ministry and youth ministry was kind of like stomp your feet, pray as loud as you can, like scream out of your mouth as hard as you can, as many prayers as you can, as fast as you can, as ferociously as you can, as Pentecostally as you can. Like you're just hoping fire's coming out of your mouth. Like this is the kind of prayer I started in and I grew up in, right? And I love that kind of prayer. But I had to discover that when Jesus says, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father in heaven, you know, you kind of go into your room, close the door and you're like, I feel a little bit weird to scream and like stomp and yell in my bedroom. You know, is that how I, Lord, do I do that? Oh, God, stop praying. It's like, no, I don't know. I don't think that's right. And I had to discover that there were different types of prayer and different ways of connecting with God. I remember, it's Maddie Schultz here. I remember Maddie Schultz and I, um, we used to go pray up on Moneybung Hill. And um, I don't know what it was. We were just hungry to pray. And um, with, I remember driving around, I could see the hill, and I'm like, I've got to get up there, I've got to get up on the hill. You know, Bible talk, hills are good, you know. Um, Moses went up on a hill, like, get, get up on the hill. And we would get up there at 5.30 in the morning with our bacon and egg muffins. We'd tra- they're like, there wasn't a road, you had to kind of hike a little bit up there. We'd hike up there with our bacon and egg muffins at sunrise. And we would do those kind of prayers, and it was awesome. We'd declare, we'd speak stuff over the city, we'd like see stuff and prophetically speak it out. Incredible, powerful, some of the best times of prayer. But a couple of years later, maybe five years later or so, we were actually living at the base of Money Bung Hill. We were renting. And Audrey was on the way. Jess was pregnant, Audrey was on the way. And I remember as a dad, we hadn't bought a house yet. And I was like, I've got to buy a house. We're having a baby. And I was stressing because like most of the people I knew would have a house before they started their family. But we weren't, in that posi- we weren't in that position. We couldn't afford a house. But as a dad, I was stressing out. And I was like, we've got to buy a house. We've got to buy a house. I felt inadequate. I felt stressed. I felt, I felt like oh, I wasn't providing enough for my family. And I felt just depleted. And I remember God invited, I just remember hearing God and he said, come up on the hill. And it was a different kind of prayer when I came up on that hill. I went up on that hill one morning and up on the ridge and I just sat down. I just sat there in kind of all of my feelings, all of my, the chaotic feelings in me. And I actually didn't say anything. I sat there and there was a cool breeze just kind of 
coming up over the ridge and just rushing over me. And that's where I learned the prayer, a kind of prayer where you just, you kind of lean into the Father heart of God. And I just remember it just felt like a hug from the Father where it was just like, it's going to be okay. It's okay. It's going to be good. It wasn't the fiery declarational prayer. It was a different kind of prayer. And it was discovered in the, the pain that I was feeling. But in that kind of prayer, I uncovered a part of the Father's heart, a part of God's heart that I hadn't really known quite well just yet. And I started to, this is how I started to know God, is through this kind of prayer. You might be a mum with young kids and you don't have much time or mental energy or space to pray. And Jess was sharing with me like a year or so ago when we were kind of figuring out some life situation stuff, she would pray down at the clothesline. Just put clothes out and she would pray at the clothesline. Just talk to God. Just let him know how she's feeling and figure stuff out with God at the clothesline. I love praying in the car. That's kind of my prayer closet. Just love being in the car. Sometimes I just feel the Lord lead me to turn off the podcast or whatever it might be and just say, hey God, hey, help me today. could be as simple as that. God wants to be part of your ordinary. Invite him, invite him into your ordinary. You might be sitting at work and this project is stressing you out. You, You can't figure out this problem. Just in that moment, invite God in. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me sort this out. That's most of my prayers, help me, Lord. When the kids are like, when my emotional energy is low and the kids are really testing me, I literally I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me not to snap at my kids. Help me to show them love. Help me to be present. God will speak to you and connect with you in ways that relate to you. He formed you and knitted you in your mother's womb. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He wants to connect with you. He wants to be with you. It could be planned. It could be spontaneous. But prayer, as we discover prayers, we discover the heart of God, we allow our whole self to be seen by God. We don't bring the cardboard cutout of what we think God wants to see to Him. Just bring yourself to him. Bring your whole self to him. This morning, I want to do something interesting, a practical exercise. Because I feel like when it comes to prayer, we we talk about hearing the voice of God a lot in church. And I wonder if some people are stuck on this. Because hearing the voice of God on face value sounds like a pretty crazy thing. Like we hear people from stage saying, I heard God say this, I heard God say this. And, and some of us might be stuck and like, I, I feel like I don't hear God. Like, what do you mean you hear God? Do you hear like a, an audible voice of God? And some people might, but in my experience, like I haven't heard the audible voice of God. I haven't heard God's voice with my ears. And the people that I do know that heard the audible voice of God, it's like twice in their entire life and they're like 60 years old. You could be different, but this is my experience. And I want to help people try and understand what it is to hear the voice of God this morning. Is that okay? So we're going to do kind of a little practical exercise. We're not wrapping up just yet. 
we're going to do a little practical exercise. Is anyone, is everyone in for a practical exercise? Cool. God's practical. God is practical. All right, so what I want to do is I want us on the count of three to say the words Coca-Cola. No reason why I'm using the words Coca-Cola. It's just everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. If I said prime, you know, young people would know what that is. See, that's what I meant. No one else knows what it is. Everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. And I want us to say on the count of three, out loud with our mouth, I want us to say Coca-Cola. And that's going to sound weird, but it's going to make sense in the end, all right? It's weird to do in church, I know. Right, online, I want you to say it out loud. I can't hear you, but I know you're at home, and I want you to say it out loud too. On the count of three, are we ready? Come on, participation is key. On the count of three, one, two, three. Oh, very good. I thought I was just going to get like three people say it. Nice work, nice work. Very good. Well done. Clap, clap, clap. Give yourself a hand. Now, you heard you say with your physical voice, Coca-Cola, and you heard with your physical ears everyone else say Coca-Cola. Now, I'm going to get you to say Coca-Cola again, but I want everyone to close their eyes. I'm not going to give you a can of Coke, and there's no Coke under your chair. Uh, Everyone, close your eyes. If you don't feel comfortable closing your eyes, it's fine. It's okay. Close your eyes. Now, I want you to say on the count of three, I want you to say Coca-Cola again, but I don't want you to use your voice. I don't, want, I don't want you to use your voice box. I don't want you to rush wind past through your voice box. I don't want you to use your lips or your tongue. I want you to say Coca-Cola without using any words on the inside of you. Does it make sense? I'm sorry, I'm getting loud. Bad mic technique. Been practicing. All right, on the count of three, you ready? One, two, three. That was loud. I heard that. That was good. Nice work. <laughs> no, I didn't hear that, of course. Um, Now, the interesting thing is you heard yourself say Coca-Cola. You heard it. You didn't hear it with your physical ears. No words physically came out of your mouth, but you heard the words on the inside of you say Coca-Cola. This proves a couple of things. One, you can speak to yourself. Right? And we do speak to ourselves. But two, I find this is the primary way God speaks to me is the internal voice in my, whatever it is, my mind, my soul, my internal voice is where the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Now, the difficulty with this is that there's a lot of noises that go on in our minds. Just like when I started running through Glenrock, there were snakes and things rustling in the bushes and every time I was running around, I'd be scared of like every rustle and noise and thing that's popping up out of the bushes. But over time, I tuned in to realise, oh, that's just a lizard. Or that's just, that's not a snake. I'm probably not going to hear a snake, actually, which is more scary. That's just, that's just a goanna. Oh, that's an echidna. And you start to tune out and you start to get familiar with the different voices that are going on. There's actually, I've heard it say um, that, like, Counterfeit money investigators are trained to spot fake currency. Not by studying the counterfeit, but by knowing the real thing so well that when the counterfeit comes along, it's obvious something's off. And so to help you this morning, I want to quickly let you know a couple of the voices that are going on inside of your head. Because it's not just your voice. And sorry to break the news. If you thought you just had one voice in your head, you've probably got multiple voices in your head. You're not crazy. 
but it's true. All right. One of the voices is the devil. The devil. The devil is real. He is immaterial, but an intelligent being, and his goal is to spread ruin in our souls, in society, and his primary means is lies. And he is real. And there's an awesome quote from a movie, The Usual Suspects, Kaiser Sose. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. But he does. And his primary weapon of choice is deception. Another great quote from Neil T. Anderson in Victory Over the Darkness says, If Satan can place a thought in your mind, and he can, it isn't much more of a trick for him to make you think it's your idea. Master manipulator. Great quote. He's a liar. John 8. 44 says, you belong to the father, the devil, not you. He's talking to people who don't know God, unfortunately. And you want to carry out the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. So one, we've got the voice of our spiritual enemy, the devil. And he loves to throw thoughts into our mind. Throw thoughts into our mind. You know those thoughts where you're just like, that's a crazy thought. Like, why am I thinking that? Could be the enemy. Number two, the world. John Mark Comer defines the world as a system of ideas, values, moral practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream and eventually institutionalized in a culture corrupted by the twin sins of rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. It's the world system which is influenced by the father of lies and actually doesn't hold the same worldview as the kingdom worldview. It sees the world different. It's actually a non-reality. And the ideas and thoughts that it promotes are not of God. It is actually anti-Christ, the world system. And we are not self-made people. We are like sponges. And we, we, we are like fish in water and the water is the world, and we are definitely influenced by the thoughts through media, entertainment, the things that we consume. We are influenced by the world, and we need to be aware that we are influenced by the world. So we had the thoughts, some of the thoughts that pop into our mind or the way we think. It's not God, it's not ourselves. it's the world, and the world has washed our mind with particular ways of thinking that are anti-God. Then there's yourself, there's your personality, you're just natural. There's a natural personality God's given you, and that's great. But we also have a, the fleshly nature, the corrupted nature of ourselves, which will be eventually fully redeemed. But we have disordered desires on the inside of us because of sin. And sometimes that speaks to us. And the world and the enemy play into those disordered desires, which is the flesh as well. Then we have the voice of others, which can either be good or bad because they are also influenced by the world, their flesh, and the devil. We can have good, good, godly, spirit-led voices into our life. And it is God speaking into our life through the people around us. But on the opposite end, we can have people with the disordered eyes, desires of the flesh, not speaking truth from the Spirit into our life. And then there's God. And God speaks to us. And the primary way God has already spoken to us is speaking to us and will continue to speak to us is through, um, is through His Word. God has revealed Himself to us through the Scriptures. And this is the foundation. This is kind of the litmus test 
for the thoughts that flow through our mind. This is the real banknote, so to speak. The scriptures, the word of God. If we don't know the word of God, then we are, we're not going to recognize the voice of God when he's speaking. Or we're not going to recognize the counterfeit voices in our minds. We need to know the voice of God through the word of God. This is the foundation of knowing him. Because otherwise we risk creating a God in our own image. A God that we think or our, we feel or our opinions of what we think God should be like. But no, scripture is our worldview. Scripture is our foundation. So we need to be more than ever people of the Word in order to recognize that still small voice in our minds. That is God speaking to us. We know oh, that is God. That, that's, that's Scripture. That aligns with the heart of Scripture. He doesn't contradict His Word and He doesn't contradict the covenant He's made with you, which is that your sin has been paid You've been made perfect in his love and he accepts you and you've been made righteous by his blood. Anything else is the accuser, Satan. God is and will continue to speak through us and through the word of God and God has spoken through his word. He has expressed his nature through his word and this is why scripture is crucial to our life. Scripture is God-breathed, it is living and active and its depths are unmeasurable. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming messages. We would love for you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.